This call is now being recorded. Hey, everybody. This is Lane. Fannie Lou's Children, a podcast by me. It's an eye to my shero, Fannie Lou Hamer, a voting rights and civil rights activist born in rural Mississippi. I talk to people who work to exact change in their community and who find solutions. Um, if you know anything about the story of Ms. Hamer, um, you'll find that you'll discover that she um, couldn't have children naturally due to an involuntary hysterectomy. And that's something that was done by doctors in the South to poor, unsuspecting um, black women uh, with no consequences. So when we talk to people who, who work to exact change, as she did, we we give them the title of, uh, and I kind of extend the title of Fannie Lou's Children to them. And so that kind of explains a little bit about the, the premise of the podcast. So tonight we're going to be talking to a young lady um, about a subject. As we continue from May, um, when May was, is considered um, Mental Health Awareness Month, and now on to June, um, that's considered um, PTSD Awareness Month. Uh, we're going to be talking, we're still talking about healing in our communities, healing our families, um, you know, healing our communities at the root. And most of the time, uh, say maybe a lot, very large percentage of the time, that stems from family uh, dynamics, let's say. So we're going to talk a little bit about PTSD tonight um, with a uh, uh, young lady by the name of Nicole Huffman. Are you there, Nicole? Yes, thank you for having me tonight, Wayne. Oh, oh no, thank you for for consenting to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, I guess we could just get right into the podcast because I want to talk about this PTSD, and then I want to talk about something. Um, well, you know, the, the the title is different, but I, I'm going to kind of. I feel like we can kind of tie this all in. I want to first talk about PTSD, what that means, what that is. And also about negotiating conflicts and family grudges. And we're going to show how we can kind of combine this to these two, both of these dynamics. Um, and, and start the healing process in our community. So I want to start by asking you, uh, what is PTSD? Uh, well, a lot of times people are only associated with soldiers who went off to war and they come back. Uh, they come back with all these different triggers to being in regular, ordinary life, and they you know, have the nightmares, and some of them become volatile and different things like that. So a lot of it is associated with what happens when you're in a war. And the truth of the matter is, is that PTSD, it does have a lot to do with being in a war, but it might not necessarily be a physical war. It can be an emotional war, a mental war, a spiritual war that you're dealing with in your family. And if it's something that's generational, that's going on and on and on, you have basically been, you have basically come up in this environment where all you are taught is to survive with a reflex and you it's a very, um, like, you're anxious all the time and you're waiting to hear for for the other shooter drop, it's different. It's, it's. I mean, it's, it's kind of like that. And right. so, one of, and what triggers it, and it's not just 
wars, physical wars, but it can be any kind of traumatic events, sexual abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, uh, parental neglect, abandonment. The, uh, those are different things that can also trigger someone having PTSD. And then sometimes it can be a late onset because the event might not happen right then. Uh, the event happens and you might not right then feel the effect of the trauma, but then it comes on maybe like six months, maybe a year later. I so see. That, you know, that's another part of it. Because, you know, when, when we first started talking about uh, doing an episode on this, you know, even myself, I was thinking, you know, I remember that term being used, and we would call it a person being shell-shocked or battle mm-hmm. fatigue or, you know, uh, some type of neurosis, accident neurosis. Mm-hmm. But went on to find out that it's also considered a mental health condition that's triggered by a terrifying event by either by either experiencing that event or witnessing it. Right. Exactly. And that's why people who have grown up, for instance, in violent homes where someone was being physically abused all the time or verbally attacked all the time, and you see that, and even though it wasn't maybe not a physically been happening to you, it was still happening to you through experience. And so you still are having to deal with the consequences of what was happening to somebody else. So it's not just you. And I know this happens a lot with people who've grown up in domestic violence, uh, physical domestic violence. I see. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So what do – how do we recover from that type of trauma? Because well, let me uh, say why I'm saying that. Because I read it's, some studies out there estimate that as much as half of the population will experience a traumatic event at some point in their mm-hmm. lives. Of those, a small number will develop a post-traumatic stress disorder. Understanding what trauma does to the brain and why different people respond to it in different ways is critical for developing uh, ways to treat it. And it's become a major focus of psychological science. And that I understand because it seems like, you know, I guess because I'm thinking that it just has something to do with battle fatigue, I mean, shell shock and battle fatigue, now finding out that it's actually more than that. Um, you know, I guess psychotherapy has long been seen as one of the most effective responses to it. Um, but, you know, people... Um, are triggered by things and people actually suffer from this and don't even know what the, what they call you know don't even have a name for it don't even know what they what they're calling it what to call it. Well, I know that. Well, therapy like specifically, there's a cognitive behavioral therapy. That's one thing, and something that deals with changing the way your brain is like it's like rewiring of your brain because when you do experience this trauma and if it's prolonged this PTSD what happens is that your brain becomes miswired and so you have to get your you have to get your thinking back in a normal pattern and that's what people don't 
realize when it comes to things like sexual like sexual abuse, how a child is sexually abused, and people think, oh, well, you were three, and that shouldn't matter, and whatever, you know, different things like that. Or people think something happens, oh, well, it just happened, you're still here, you're fine. But then something happened to your brain, the way the way it's wired, and I so see. it needs to be rewired. And so whether that's through therapy, or some people take medication. Everybody doesn't believe in medication. I know I hate medication, but that's that's another option. And then of course this, uh, you have the spiritual thing things that you can do, whether it's you know the meditating or if you a Christian, go to church and the prayer, you know, all that. But I do, I suggest something that is concrete like therapy too, whatever, with whatever you're doing. I suggest you get some kind of therapy that deals with um, the brain part of it. Okay. So going back to something you just mentioned, mm-hmm. I'd say a child, two or three years old, that may have experienced uh, rape and people saying that, and this happens a lot, um, where you were a child, you know, you not understanding that something triggers that that, you know, it's hard. Why, why do we do that? Why why, why do we do that? Why, why, why I mean, I, you know, how do we get people to understand that children can, you know, that this can happen to children. I mean, you know, a, a lot of things I didn't remember that happened to me at two or three, but if something traumatic happened, I, I talk to people who something traumatic has happened to them, and they may have forgotten it themselves until later, you know, maybe as teenagers or um, middle school age and, and that type of thing. Um, so at, at, at any point in your life, I guess, these things can come back. You know, a, a, anything could trigger those those memories. Is that right? Right. That is exactly right. Okay. Okay. So I know it happens in all families, you know, across the board, but that statement there, you know, I hear that a lot in the black community, black families, you know, oh, well, you know, you're a child, um, you know, not really looking for, you know, solutions, not really trying to um, deal with uh, the consequences of that. I guess that's how some of us just kind of grow up and as adults still need therapy. So what do you th- what do you suggest we do in families? Let's just say that a child was raped at at a, at a young age, and um, I guess it would have to be up to us to just go ahead and know that we have to get therapy out there. You know, a lot of times I know that our community doesn't like to deal with things like that because we don't like to talk about those things. We don't like to own up to those things. Um, and um, a lot of times people feel that for some reason they will be blamed, you know, for what happens to a child. Well, I think that's a large part of it. And then there's just this whole generational thing that we have where you don't talk about the family business. You keep the family mm-hmm. secrets. You don't go around telling people what goes on in my house. And then if you have a parent who is a narcissist or a control freak or somebody who's into appearances or whatever you want to call it, when you add that ego into the mix, they're not going to 
their problem is that they don't want their good name for, you know, whatever's out in the public. They don't want that tainted. And so that's a big part why sometimes they respond when they do. But I think the main thing, the number one thing that parents in particular, but you know, the whole support system in general needs to do is that they need to believe the kid because most kids not lying about this. They're just not. And then right. statistics tell you most kids are not lying about this. Believe them. And then also support them. Because I know as an abuse victim, I had neither. I didn't have nobody believe me, and I didn't have any kind of support. And it screwed me up in the head for a long time. I see. I see. I can I can see that. Um, I know situations where uh, young girls have been, you know, molested by uncles. And um, mm-hmm. when um, it was finally told to the family, okay, then that helped then because the family didn't want to refuse. I'm not going to say didn't want to, didn't didn't know how. Refuse to deal with it. Now you have to find someone else. So what happened is the the persons in the family who decided that they were going to work and help the young lady get the necessary help she needed, you see, in this situation, this young lady was was, uh, called on the phone by the matriarch in the family, the oldest person, you know, the, the, the mother, the grandmother. And instead of dealing with what her son had done, she decided to tell this young lady that the people who are helping you don't really know what they're doing. Don't trust those people to help you. So what happens is the child never gets help, and then what this does, it just compounds more and more, and it gets more into like some family conflict, you see that's compounded on top of what the young lady has already has already gone through. And so it brings up the next point I want to talk about, and that is negotiating because, you see, when this kind of thing happens in families, there's some more stuff going on, okay? There's mm-hmm. just some deeper stuff going on. There's some conflicts. There's some grudges. There's some family there's some things that are not being taken care of, not being addressed. And it goes on for years and years and years. You see, with everybody um being satisfied that things remain the same. So when something like this happens, when a when a young lady uh says that they were abused by an uncle in the same family, you see, nothing gets done because now we got some new victims to bring out, you know, and that is the people that, try, you know, this young lady never, I mean, she has aunt, female, who should have understood what she went through. Not one person has contacted her about that. But the things, the people that were trying to help, that, that did help and assisted her, were the ones that were, you know, kind of shunned and, and put to the side and, and talked about it. It's just really, really, it's really, really, um, again, um, you know, I think we just have to do a better job in the black community of understanding there how important therapy is. Um, you know, when I was growing up, people kind of uh, just kind of shunned that. Even uh, as a Christian, they would say things like that allude to uh, if you're Christian, 
if you you know then you don't you you know it's you know it's like against the against Christianity to seek therapy. I don't know if you ever heard that, but I heard that um, when I was you know I'm older than you. I I I heard that uh, people alluding to that when I was younger, and um, you know um, it's 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 one of those things that does not serve us well. Um, in our community, in our family, to not get the help we need, especially when you have family that doesn't want to help but just wants to blame, you right. see, just wants to blame, wants to look for someone else to blame because we just don't know how to deal with these things. Well, we were, let me take this back. We're intelligent. We're educated. We fly all over the world. We got these grand jobs, these six-figure jobs, so we know what to do. It's just that for some reason we don't want to delve into, you know, we don't, we're, not, we're not healing. We don't want to heal. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> A lot of times, I'm not saying that because you suffer these type of things, that you come from a family full of narcissism, but a lot of times how, how it's um, dealt with um, has a lot to do with whether it's a lot of narcissism, you know, in the family. And so I want to talk about, have you seen that meme that's going around right now? Well, I saw it. I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm slow on some of this stuff. I saw it last week. It says something like, me and my family, me and my siblings, we never apologize. We just find a way to talk again. Something like yes, that. Um, Have you yes, seen I'm that? I'm very familiar with that one. I yes. saw that, and I thought that was just one of the worst things you could ever, you could just say. What do you think about that? What, what, what do you, what, what, where, where are we, what's wrong with, where are we headed with it? What, what are we doing out here in our family? Uh, what, what are we doing? Why is that, you know, why is that something that we, we want to say? I don't know. I want to, I actually wrote a whole post on social media about this, and I, think that we have just started to normalize toxic, dysfunctional, unhealthy, abusive relationships and think it's cute and funny and we don't think there's anything wrong with it. And it's just normal. That's the way it's supposed to start. I mean, that's just the way stuff is supposed to be. That's why it's always been. That's what you're used to. That's what you're familiar familiar with. So that's what you gravitate toward and that's what you do. Mm. Until you wake up one day and you realize that you don't need to dwell in dysfunction. You don't need to participate in it. And that's what happened to me. And it ended up severing a lot of my relationships, though, too. Well, I was going to ask I'm you, not, when I'm you talk to family about that, I understand. And so that was my question, uh, this question. How do we go from trying to talk about things that have occurred to building more walls up rather than, you know, knocking some of the barriers down and not and having a better understanding uh of people. You know what I mean? Of just what and you know and and, and you know, you say normalize it it's true. But why? Why do we why do we you know, I'm just trying to understand how do we expect families to be fortified and expect families to be strengthen when we can't even, you know, face the facts 
and the reality, and, and, and I'm going to go this far too and say our community has a problem with protecting our children. Yes, it does. Our community has a problem with, and, and I'm going to tell you something else I'm, 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 I'm just having a real problem with, have had it for a while, and I'm talking about it more now. This honor thy mother and thy father thing that people throw on you when they don't have answers for anything else or this thing, well, you know, after all, that is your mother, that is your sister, what, what does that mean? Does that mean that we're not supposed to heal if that – because, you see, that's how some of our abusers get to the next step because the abuser knows that the family is going to try to hide everything and the family is going to say, well, you know, at the end of the day, that's your, that's your parent or that's your sibling or that's your cousin. We're, we're, not, we're not fixing anything out there. And then we get concerned and we want to act surprised when our children wild out and act out. You see, so people don't understand that when you don't have the support that you need from family, something has to give, okay? You're going to not be a well and whole person when you're up close and personal on this thing. Then you get talked about when you, when you remove yourself and make space, you see. Um, but I just believe that people should do whatever they have to do. Um, and again, as they're Christians, they just, you know, got to go to, you know, to their God about it and, and be okay with the decisions. A lot of times we're not okay with the decisions we make. We just have to, if, if people, if we're not going to get the help we need, then we're going to have to put our foot down and be our own help and do whatever we have to do. And sometimes that may mean that we've got to have some separation with people. Um, and then when people find out that they're wrong, here we go again because it's family. No one wants to apologize. No one wants to help resolve the conflict with family. They want to blame. That's not getting us anywhere. You see what I'm saying? So I, I did a little research about why is it so hard for us to negotiate these conflicts, these family grudges and strife. Um, a lot of it is because um, the first thing is because you have to know your own perspective, you see. Then, of course, you have to, you know, then there's another person's perspective. But I think one of the reasons that a lot of people don't want to own up to some of the stuff that we go through, meaning, and, and, and a lot of it has, like I said, to do with childhood, which means that we're children when we, you know, when we suffer through a lot of these things, is simply because people don't want to be wrong and they don't want to have a reason to apologize to a child. I don't know if well, that makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. No, no, absolutely, because, no, that whole children on to be um seen, not heard, and you're your parents' property and all that other kind of stuff, That's exa I really do think that most, a lot of the parents who I've met have a problem apologizing to their kids. Yeah, they think yeah. they're perfect. They don't think that they they don't think that their kid um, deserves an apology. They feel like they um, brought them into this world and they feed them they and can take them out, and yeah, clothe them. I can take you out and all this and just unhealthy, just unhealthy stuff. And I'm the, and a part of it, I you know I don't like blaming everything on what has happened to us in our past, but I think there's just a really kind of a um old slave mentality that's going on that we haven't gotten over that we're supposed to suffer and suffer and suffer 
and watch our kids suffer while we take care of other people's kids or other people's homes and neglect our own. And it just seems like it's the cycle that hasn't been broken with some people. And I think it also has to do because we don't deal with things with our children. It's the adulting of our children. We do that to our children. We can't talk about society doing it. We can't talk about white people doing it. We can't talk about racism and oppression as seeing our children as older than they are if we're going to continue to do it. A two- or three-year-old should not be triggered by certain things because of rape and because families don't want to deal with it because most of the time it's by a close friend, close family, someone who has no business being around your child in the first place, or a family member. Okay, but that's what when I was saying about the slave culture, it's not blaming racism or blaming white people oh, no. or anything like that. What I'm saying, no. though, is that we have this mentality that has been passed on to us that we're not supposed to protect our own. I understand that. Yeah. And, and no, I wasn't suggesting that you on. did, but I do. See, I blame racism for a lot that's wrong with us, but I don't blame that. Racism, that on racism, because, you see, we... Um, we we got to do a better job of taking care of the internal issues in our families to be whole people. You see what I'm saying? To deal with this junk out here. And you're right. Um, you know, we just we 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 have to just do a better job. You know, of uh, of you know caring and 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 taking care of you know of our children and and each other. So. Um, so you you agree you you believe in therapy, and I know oh, that you absolutely. said that 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 um you know you've experienced some things um how has therapy worked for you? oh therapy I'll tell you something well first of all my my son half of my son number one, then number two has been therapy that has really helped me to deal with my p t s d Okay. Those are things that God put in my life to help me with it. And were it not for those things, I could not even imagine what kind of a um, headspace I would be in right now because I dealt with a lot of stuff. Yeah. So how does your time. son help with that, if you don't mind talking about that for a moment? How has your son, because I, I, I feel the same way about my children. They kind of gave me a new, like another, something else to do, something to concentrate on. And so I had an opportunity to, do the exact opposite of what I received, you know what I mean? So it gave me a chance to feel like, you know, I was a I was a part of something. But how is it that your son has helped you with uh with your PTSD? Well, because I know he was good. he was he's here as a uh, he was here as a gift. And okay. I know I'm here to guide him, protect him, to love him and things like that. And so what having him open my eyes to I want better. I want better mm-hmm. for first of all I want better for him. But then it became I, I want better for for me. I want better right. for both of us. And so I don't want I'm not I don't want to pass on all this this generational trauma that's going on in my in my on both sides of my family. I don't want to do that. And so once I had a child I my focus it shifted. On well, what's best for this this family? You know, my son and me. What's best for us? And so, and that's right. when I started relating to my other family and stuff differently. And they they don't like it, but you're not a priority. 
and I'm sorry, but you're not. You're not ever going to be a priority to me. As long yeah. as, you know, my son, as long as I'm here, you're not going to be a priority. And so mm-hmm. he having him and, you know, just building that relationship with him and building our, you know, our unit, our family, it just shifted my mindset about what family meant anyway. And it wasn't right. this whole dysfunctional, ratchet funkiness that, you know, I will, that I was born into. I thought that's what all it was, and it was, and it's not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, just it lets you know that there's something else that. out there, right? Yeah, and it lets you know when you have your own ch- your children that it's something else. It's something you don't have to repeat. You don't have. It lets you know that you just have the control, and you don't have to repeat. This can be unavoidable. Some of this drama, and this, you know, can be unavoidable, and so you prove it by being a different, by trying to. I see career your own children in a totally different way and environment. But that's what I meant when I said we have to be we have to be okay with our decisions. Um I think one of the ways for best ways to get control of any situation is to really be a just make decisions and be okay with the decisions because those decisions that we need that people need to get to the next level are ones that a lot of people in families aren't going to uh, agree with, are not going to feel like are necessary, and are not what's expected. Um, you can be a victim for a long time without knowing it, and um, your family can sense that they can see it. And, um, you know, as long as you're the victim, people are happy. When you uh, take control and decide yes to this, no to this, never to that, it's going to throw some things off a little bit. You know, people aren't used to that. And so that's why I say we have to be okay with the decisions we make, have to be concise about those decisions and and be strong about those decisions because those decisions are best for you, you know, whatever. And it's a way to get control of the situation and to to not continue to be, you know, a victim to all of this. Um, You have... A, do you have a podcast? Um, yes, yeah, so my podcast is, I'm on a hiatus right now. You're on where? I'm a, I'm on hiatus right now from my podcast. Oh, really? I'm taking a okay. break. Yes. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. You're on hiatus. Okay, okay. So I was just wondering, um, if, uh, just wondering if you were doing some things out there that people could listen to, maybe learn a little bit from maybe contact you to, you know, get more information. But I this has been very um in 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 enlightening and been very helpful. I'm sure that, you know, our listeners are gonna uh learn a lot and hopefully to be helped. The idea is to heal and heal um uh, by any means necessary. Uh, do you have any any anything that you want to just add before we go? Uh, some advice or some suggestions that we do to um, to um, be able to um, uh, heal from the uh, some of the, uh, the 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 you know the, the triggers the health conditions that's triggered by events and that type of thing. Do you have any any parting words for us for that? I would just say uh, therapy is a good thing. 
Make okay. sure you have a therapy uh, support system and be okay with walking away from relationships that don't serve you, no matter what that relationship is. Sometimes yeah. you have to do that because relationships take two people who are trying to make it work. You cannot be trying to make a work relationship work on your own. That's only going to last for so long. Absolutely. That's so true. Well, I want to thank you for your time. It's Nicole Huffman, and I appreciate it. I'm going to go now and edit and upload this episode to SoundCloud. Um I'm not on Facebook a lot, but um, the uh, my page is not public, um, but the podcast is. So if you'd like to share it or listen to it, you can go to SoundCloud. You know, that feeds to iTunes. You can go to SoundCloud and listen to it. If you want to share it, you know, you're welcome to um, from the podcast because, like I said, it is public. So, you know, if you wanted to share it, you you know, you'd be able to. Miss Nicole Huffman, I thank you so much for um, this episode, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.